0: morning and welcome to Podiatrics Medical Podcasts. Today's podcast is on asthma and we're going to talk mainly about uh, management of asthma in children and we're going to delve into why is it such a difficult area to answer exam questions on as well and the conflicting information that's out there. Uh, So the first thing to appreciate is that Diagnosis of asthma is as a clinical diagnosis, is number one. So, that's what we should all be aspiring to do. So, therefore, history and examination, in order to treat asthma, which is obviously, what we're after today, we need to firstly diagnose it. So, how do we diagnose someone with asthma? So, what we're looking at, so all definitions across the world, is Symptoms. Okay, so that will normally be symptoms of um, wheeze, breathlessness, tightness of the chest, or a cough. There's no one diagnostic test for asthma at the moment, so it's a clinical assessment supported by objective tests. And what we want to talk about is variable airflow obstruction and presence of airway inflammation. Um. Our clinical assessment and the tests that we use to support it both have false positive and false negative rates. No test is perfect, and actually, no assessment is perfect either. So, mistakes do get made, and sometimes patients are overdiagnosed or underdiagnosed. So, tests tell us the probability of asthma, but don't um, prove a diagnosis. So, if the tests are supportive, with a strongly positive history, that increases the the probability of having asthma. And actually, if you have got supportive history and examination, that improves your pre-test probability of the investigation in question. The outcome of diagnostic tests, depending on where then when they're done, if the child's well or unwell, do change the yield. Okay. Um. So that's that's important. So how would we assess someone? So individual symptoms or signs in isolation, the predictive value, the positive predictive value is relatively poor. If we do a structured clinical assessment, obtaining all the available information, a good examination and review of history, that increases the probability that we will reach the correct diagnosis. So we're looking for episodic symptoms. So we're looking for, again, we said the main ones are wheeze, breathlessness, tightness of the chest and cough. And the way that we look at this is these happen with episodes, okay, with periods of no or minimal symptoms between the episodes. So we call these interval symptoms. So Symptoms of wheeze, breathlessness, tightness of the chest or cough occurring in episodic fashion with periods or no or minimal symptoms between episodes. So that's important. Um, Is there anything triggered? So a few of the examples that the British Thoracic Society use that I thought are quite useful is... A history of acute attacks of wheeze triggered by something, so allergens or viruses. Intermittent episodes of symptoms triggered by allergen exposure. Um, There's other things such as cold air or laughter that can trigger it. In adults, that can be triggered by taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or beta blockers that both can um, exacerbate asthma symptoms. Uh, common exam question, you know, what medication should be avoided? And it's normally beta blockers. So, wheezing is different from other things. OK, so being able to diagnose wheezing or differentiate wheezing for, as a clinical phenomenon from stridor or other types of breathe, um, breathing patterns is important. Remember, there are other diagnosis um, in children, we can be looking at things like viral-induced wheezes and other stuff. So um, we can look at you know, taking a, um, a peak flow diary and looking at symptoms. And the the diagnosis criteria are changing all the time. The way that tends to happen is you can give them a reliever inhaler and see if things get better. You can also do spirometry with reversibility. The main test for variability is you can do peak flow charting, um, but I think still the the gold standard is seeing if the airway obstruction is variable and reversible. So does it get better with giving the patient a bronchodilator? So you can refer patients if this is an unclear diagnosis, if they've had a poor response to treatment and if they've had a severe life-threatening asthma attack, One of the clear causes of um, morbidity and mortality in patients with asthma is not being referred to a specialist uh, when they have had poor control of their asthma. Certainly, criteria for referral. Okay, so we support patients with self management, so they should have, every patient with asthma should have an asthma action plan. Okay, and We're thinking about strictly what happens in the criteria for seeking medical attention, as well as when to step up their treatment, when to um, seek medical advice. We should be looking at triggers, so primary prevention, so that's looking at the things that precipitate um, attacks and looking at you know any particular trigger and if we can remove um, the trigger from the environment. So, we're going to then talk about pharmacological treatment. Um, diagnostic things fractional exhaled nitrogen oxide testing. There's lots of different ways of doing FEV1, FVC. The focus of today is about pharmacological management. So, when we say someone's got complete control of asthma, that means they've got no daytime symptoms, no nighttime awakening, no need for rescue medication. No asthma attacks, no limitations on activity, including exercise. Normal lung function, okay, and that is normally a peak flow greater than 80% of predicted or their best. And the minimal side effects from medication. The management has a few really important things. We start treatment at the level most appropriate, achieve early control and maintain control by decreasing treatment if necessary decreasing treatment when the control is good so we increase the treatment if necessary decrease the treatment if the control is good before initiating a new drug therapy should check adherence to the existing therapy check inhaler technique and eliminate trigger factors so before you step up all of those things should be checked now what i'm going to do is i'm going to talk about We're in a really strange position in the UK because we essentially have two guidelines. We have got the British Thoracic Society and that is combined with SIGN, which is the Scottish Intercollegiate Guideline Network. And we've got NICE guidelines. And I think it's potentially very important now to look at the differences between these um, and look at what NICE which is probably going to be the one that you will um, get examined on the exams. Most question banks um, go off NICE guidelines rather than British Thoracic Society. Um, But basically, we're going to talk about the first thing. So we're going to talk about looking at children between the age of five and 16 and how the guidelines differ. So if we're looking at the British Thoracic Society slash sign, so BTS slash sign guideline, what they say is that you initiate treatment with low-dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy. So patients, and they make this very explicit in their guidelines, should not be given a short-acting beta agonist like salbutamol alone. Okay unless they've got a very short-lived wheeze. So that has changed from the previous BTS sign guidelines. And why this changed, actually, the National Review of Asthma Deaths, NRAD, um, looked at there was a proportion of the deaths that happened due to asthma occurred in patients only treated with a short-acting beta agonist. Or a saba, and highlighted that this was an important preventable feature. So, the importance of preventive therapy has been replicated in numerous guidelines across the world, and that's why inhaled corticosteroid therapy and a short-acting beta agonist was was kind of proposed. So. <coughs> This has changed from the Nice guidelines. So, SABA in and inhaled corticosteroid therapy is in the BTS sign guidelines. In the Nice guidelines, they still talk about the use of a short-acting beta agonist alone. So, this is a big difference when you're looking at the two guidelines. Okay, if you are a newly diagnosed asthmatic. Age 5 to 16, so under 5s are a separate thing. 5 to 16, if you have got infrequent, short lived wheeze and normal lung function, they consider a SABA alone. Um, for symptoms that indicate the need for maintenance therapy, offer a pediatric low dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy. And definitely now, nice are changing their guidelines. So as recently as February 2020, the guidelines have changed. So in the last few years, is has been British Thoracic Society and sign have talked about inhaled corticosteroid therapy and uh, a short-acting beta agonist. Nice look-like at the moment they have changed their minds to keep in with BTS um, and sign guidelines. So certainly looking at the most recent infographic from NICE, NICE, if you're age 5 to 16, they talk about giving an inhaled corticosteroid therapy in addition to a SABA. So NICE have changed their guidelines as well um, in line with the NRAD review as well. What are the other differences? And then we'll talk about the two um, guidelines in in completion. So historically, over the last few years, the introduction of a uh, a leukotriene receptor antagonist like Montelukast after addition of inhaled corticosteroid therapy has been a big argument between the two different groups of BTS sign and NICE. Um. British Thoracic Society and SIGN has that long held view that a low dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy should be followed by the addition of a long acting beta agonist in line with a lot of the prevalent stuff that's been written by the GINA, so the Global Initiative for Asthma. So they have studies have looked at comparing inhaled corticosteroid therapy with a LABA. Compared with inhaled corticosteroid therapy with a long acting, uh, with a receptor antagonist. And these tended to favour inhaled corticosteroid therapy and LABA for adults, but we don't have the evidence in children. Okay? So that's important. The next thing that we're going to talk about um, is. Something else you may have heard of. So maintenance and reliever therapy, which is called MART. Um, So what do the guidelines actually say? Okay, what do the guidelines actually say when we're looking at this? So newly diagnosed asthma in children and young people aged five to 16 for symptoms that need maintenance therapy at presentation offer a low dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy with a saba remember if they've got inf- infrequent short lived wheeze and normal lung function still under the nice guidelines you give a saba but if they require maintenance therapy it's inhaled corticosteroid therapy with a saba the next step is if the asthma is uncontrolled in 4 to 8 weeks they talk about consider Low dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy plus an L R, LTRA, a leukotriene receptor antagonist, and then they talk about stopping the leukotriene receptor antagonist and addition of a LABA. So that's probably the big difference. Is British Thoracic Society and SIGN prefer adding in the long acting beta agonist before the leukotriene receptor antagonist? Okay, if um You give someone a leukotriene receptor antagonist, the patients have to um, adapt to an oral therapy taken only at night, so that can be challenging as well. So, both guidelines admit that when we go for combination therapy and beyond, um, don't really know. Okay, so there's there's a an element there where don't really know. In children, um, the NICE guideline recommends using uh, maintenance reliever therapy in children and young people aged 5 to 16. And that's what, you know, um, the NICE guideline talks about. And we support self-management, OK, and, and, and empower um, empower children and their caregivers the other contentious thing um before we kind of try and sum up the guidelines and go through how we would approach things is actually the dose of medications specifically i'm talking about steroids varies between nice the global initiative um in asthma and bts sign guidelines So, for example, um, in the NICE guidelines in children's less than 16 years, we have got low dose, moderate dose and high dose. So just just to explain the difference, um, NICE talk about low, moderate and high doses. Gina talk about low, moderate and high and BTS and side guidelines talk about very low, low and medium. So it's not... um, not the most straightforward things. Um, for example, beclomethasone. the dose is 400 micrograms, which is a medium dose in the BTS guidelines. And a high dose in GINA is greater than 200. So just be aware of the doses of steroids of beclomethasone and fluticasone change, um, depending on the severity and actually differ between the different guidelines. So, Children under the age of five is difficult to manage because the evidence base is incredibly limited. Um, So it's very, very difficult to manage. Actually, the guidelines that are based on it aren't based upon the most prevalent data. Um, So how do you manage it? Well, in young people and symptoms uncontrolled by intermittent reliever use, what do we do? So, maintenance therapy, uh, NICE recommends an eight-week trial of paediatric moderate-dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy. Um, At the end of eight weeks, stopping the inhaled corticosteroid therapy and looking at the response. Um, If if the symptoms do resolve but recur within four weeks, then the inhaled corticostero therapy is restarted. So, that's what we're um, that's what we're looking at, uh, and we're going to talk about now. So I've talked about some of the the differences between the Nice guidelines and the British Thoracic Society slash SIGN guidelines, and how they differ, and there is a difference, and we'll hopefully compare and contrast them now. So. If we talk about children between the age of 5 and 16, newly diagnosed asthma. For symptoms that indicate the need for maintenance therapy, you go SABA plus inhaled corticosteroid therapy. For infrequent short-lived wheeze and normal lung function, you can consider a SABA alone. If you give them a saber alone and that asthma is not controlled in 4 to 8 weeks, then they go back into that thing now about giving a saber and ICS. Every four to eight weeks, you'll reassess. So if that doesn't work, Saba plus ICS, if that doesn't work, then we're going to go to inhale corticosteroid therapy plus a leukotriene receptor antagonist, OK, plus a Saba. So we're not giving these patients um, a long acting beta agonist until the next stage where they're reassessed in one to two months. Consider paediatric low-dose inhaled corticostero therapy plus a LABA and stopping the leukotriene receptor antagonist. The next step would be consider a paediatric low-dose inhaled corticostero therapy plus a LABA within a maintenance reliever regime. Okay, Um, And then consider moderate-dose inhaled corticostero therapy plus a LABA either within a marked reg- regimen or as a fixed dose. And if it's still not okay, seek advice from a healthcare professional with expertise in asthma. Okay, And then there's the other things that they can add in, like theophylline. So what I want to do is patient number one is a seven-year-old newly diagnosed asthmatic who symptoms require maintenance therapy. So what would you prescribe for patient number one? Okay, we're going to go through one patient through all the steps. So patient number one, you'd offer them paediatric low-dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy with a short-acting beta agonist. You reassess this patient in four weeks' time and they're still uncontrolled. What do you do? So we said, consider low-dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy plus a leukotriene receptor antagonist, remember with their reliever inhaler, um, still taking their reliever inhaler as required, but preventor inhaler um, therapy being the important thing. Another four weeks goes by, still uncontrolled. So what do you do? So still low dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy, but we're now going to stop the leukotriene receptor antagonist because it hasn't worked. And we're going to add in a long acting beta agonist. Remember all of these, stages. um, So far we've given a short-acting beta agonist as a reliever inhaler. So this patient is now on low-dose inhaled corticostero therapy plus a long-acting beta agonist. If the asthma is uncontrolled in four to eight weeks, what do we do? We consider paediatric low-dose inhaled corticostero therapy plus a labber within a maintenance and reliever regimen, so a Mart regimen, okay? So that's what we're looking at. Another four weeks, this is the point at which we step up the inhaled corticosteroid therapy. So we consider paediatric moderate dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy plus a LABA, okay? So really, with the NICE guidelines from the ages of 5 to 16 in chronic asthma... That is what we do. So if they need maintenance therapy at presentation, SABBA plus inhaled corticosteroid therapy. Next one, remember we're reviewing this four to eight weeks. We then give them low-dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy with a leukotriene receptor antagonist such as Montelukast. Remember they're still having a SABA as relieve inhaler. Consider paediatric low-dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy plus a LABA. And then we stop the leukotriene receptor antagonist because it hasn't worked. Next step, we consider low dose inhaled corticostero therapy plus a LABA within a maintenance and reliever therapy regimen. Okay. Maintenance and reliever therapy regimen, a marked regimen. And then it's only there's the next step that we think about moderate dose inhaled corticostero therapy plus a labar. Okay. This is the only time so far it's been low dose, ICS, low dose, low dose. This is the time at which we step it up to moderate dose. So I hope that makes it more straightforward. Remember, the BTS guidelines are slightly different um, to the NICE guidelines. OK. And they actually propose things slightly differently under fives. If they need maintenance therapy at presentation, we give them an eight-week dose of pediatric moderate-dose ICS with a SABA, okay, short-acting beta agonist. If the symptoms resolved during the trial, but reoccurred within four weeks, we offer them low-dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy with a SABA. We reassess same as the over fives. And we consider low dose inhaled therapy plus a leukotriene receptor antagonist. And really, if that's uncontrolled, we stop the leukotriene receptor antagonist, but continue with the steroids and then we refer. So actually, the long acting beta agonists, the long acting beta agonists do not have um, as prominent a role in these guidelines because we're looking at predominantly SABA, ICS, and then leukotriene receptor antagonists. So, the the labas don't really feature in the under fives. So, what is important to be aware of? So, kind of talked about the nice guidelines. So we'll recap that again. If you are five to sixteen, we basically if you need maintenance therapy at presentation, we give you inhaled corticosteroid therapy plus a SABA. If They're uncontrolled. Next review, we consider low-dose inhaled corticosteroids plus a leukotriene receptor antagonist. Again, reliever inhaler as well. If at the next review that hasn't worked, low-dose inhaled corticosteroid therapy plus a LABA and stopping leukotriene receptor antagonist treatment. We then reassess. We can then put these in a mark regimen next. And then the next thing is um, we can consider up in the steroids from a low dose to a moderate dose. Last thing I'm going to talk about, because I think it's really important, is we're going to talk about acute asthma in children. OK, so adults won't be covered in here, but children. OK, so imagine you've got um, someone who's got asthma or may not have asthma diagnosed. Oxygen saturation is less than 92%. Peak expiratory flow. Why is that important? Well, because actually acute severe asthma and life-threatening asthma, according to the BTS sign guidelines, are both oxygen saturations less than 92%. Peak flow between 33 and 50% puts you in the acute severe and less than 33% puts you in life-threatening. What are some of the things that, we need to look out for really concerning features so in the acute severe category okay can't complete sentences in one breath or too breathless to talk or feed a heart rate greater than 140 before the age of 5 or greater than 125 after the age of 5 respiratory rate greater than 40 before the age of 5 or greater than 30 after 5 the life threatening things Are the big red flags to look out for in questions and in patients, exhaustion, hypotension, so hemodynamic collapse, cyanosis, silent chest, poor respiratory effort and confusion. So what happens? Well, what patients and families are often told is if this patient has a flare up of asthma, Okay, used to be called Um, An exacerbation of asthma. I think people prefer the term asthma attack now because these are not expected events. These are life threatening events by definition. You increase the beta agonist dose, salbutamol, by giving one puff every 30 to 60 seconds, a maximum of 10 puffs. If the symptoms are not controlled by up to 10 puffs, ambulance. 10 puffs of salbutamol, one puff every 30 to 60 seconds. Normally by a metre dose inhaler and spacer. If the symptoms don't get any better, ambulance. Okay. When the paramedic comes, they're normally given nebulised salbutamol. Okay. So if they've got severe or life-threatening asthma, hospital urgently, okay? So the following clinical signs we tend to look at are pulse rate, okay? Tachycardia will point you towards worsening asthma. A fall in heart rate is not reassuring. It is a pre-terminal event. So it is bradycardia. Or a falling heart rate, okay, so a slow heart rate or a falling heart rate are both really bad. Respiratory rate and degree of breathlessness. Respiratory muscles, so that's normally if you palpate the muscles of the neck, stenocleidomastoid, trapezius, scalenes. The amount of wheezing, okay, absence of wheeze is not a good sign, okay, and degree of agitation and conscious level. So how do we treat acute asthma? So imagine you're in a simulation session or you're in in an exam, clinical or theory. How do you treat acute asthma in children? Oxygen. okay. if the oxygen saturations is less than 94 percent, because we want saturation between 94 to 98, so it's less than 94, apply supplemental oxygen. Next one. So Inhaled bronchodilators, beta 2 agonists are the first line treatment. Okay. So normally, a metre dose inhaler and um, spacer is what we use for mild to moderate asthma. If symptoms are not responding to initial beta agonist treatment, then the Normal way of doing things would be to add ipotropium bromide. Um, I will do a supplemental podcast on Gina's recommendations from 2020, but I'm just going through the British Thoracic Society now. Um, add ipotropium bromide mixed with salbutamol so. This is a more of a poor quality thing about adding magnesium sulfate. Um, it's not the best quality evidence, but some centers do it. Give all steroids early in the treatment. So if they're less than the age of two, that's 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams. If they're two to five and then 30 to 40 milligrams, if they're greater than five. Um, if they're on maintenance steroid th- um, tablets, they should receive two milligrams per kilogram of Pred up to a maximum dose of 60. So remember, steroids take a a while to get into the system. Um, Remember as well, amyophylline in the British Thoracic Society guidelines is not recommended in children with mild to moderate acute asthma. Um, And there are other options. And they talk about giving early addition of single brolus of IV salbutamol when they haven't responded to inhaled. Corticosteroid therapy and intravenous magnesium sulfate is an option so IV salbutamol IV magnesium sulfate this is when it gets to um the side of things when people say okay um what do we do now um what do we you know what do we do now and the thing is the evidence base doesn't become much better when um, when we get kind of further along. So what are the important things to, to kind of have gleaned from today? So it's always a rapidly evolving area. So therefore, this is an area that's really important to keep up to date with um, the most recent guidelines. And people talk about lots and lots of different um lots and lots of different things that are that are beginning to happen um and probably worth me doing um a separate podcast on some of the new um some of the new areas that Gina specifically were were looking at and that will probably be um, quite a nice update for those of you that are interested in um, in this side of things. So that's going to be a separate podcast that will probably get uploaded today, but that is a look at the management and more just to bring your awareness to the differences in practice um, from different guidelines. It's a complicated area and obviously... It confuses me at the best of times, but it's worth reminding yourself that there are different guidelines um, and most exam boards want you to know the NICE guidelines rather than the BTS, but you may use the BTS ones in practice. Thank you very much.